Shared parenting does make it easy. I'm your host, Chris Batchelor, and this is the Parent Time Podcast. Parent Time Podcast is presented by National Parents Organization, a national nonprofit who is working hard to bring shared parenting nationwide. And I want to welcome you to our first show where we're going to talk about topics related to parenting after divorce and separation. That's going to include shared parenting, co-parenting, parental alienation, and also advocating for better laws for families. But first, I want to take a minute and talk about who is National Parents Organization. National Parents Organization is a nationally recognized charity whose mission is to improve the lives of children and strengthen society by protecting every child's right to the love and care of both parents after divorce or separation. The vision is to promote shared parenting by educating parents, divorce professionals, and legislators, and also by reforming family courts and laws in every state. National Parents Organization does have chapters all across the country, so if you want to get involved, head over to their website at sharedparenting.org, click on About, and then State Chapters to find the contact information for your local state chapter. In this episode, we have Dr. Don Huben, who's the chair of the National Board for National Parents Organization. He's a professor emeritus of philosophy and founding director emeritus of the Center for Ethics and Human Values at Ohio State University. He's also a tireless supporter of shared parenting. He and I talk about the progress that's been made this year so far with passing shared parenting laws. You know, many state houses were overwhelmed with COVID-related legislation, but shared parenting was on the docket this year. With that, let's listen to the show. How are you doing today, Don? I'm doing well. How are you, Chris? Uh, I'm doing just great. And uh, so today we wanted to cover a little bit of legislative updates from around the country. I know we've got a lot of updates. And uh, what, what do you have first on the list here? Well, first on the list is the stunning success in Arkansas. So uh, the uh, organization in Arkansas that uh, we uh, worked with and helped, but they were the they took the lead on this, of course, by by a long shot, is Arkansas Advocates for Shared Parenting, and they passed a bill, Senate Bill 18, which is in one respect the strongest equal parenting bill in the country. So um, the, the the way in which it's stronger than the uh, NPO. Uh, backed bill in Kentucky is that uh, it requires clear and convincing evidence to overcome the presumption in favor of equal parenting. Uh, whereas in uh, Kentucky and in other places where we've worked on legislation, we haven't been able to get that presumption, that stronger presumption. We've gotten a presumption that says by a preponderance of the evidence. So that's a weaker presumption. There's another respect, though, in which the Kentucky bill is stronger because the Kentucky bill says that there's an there's to be equal parenting, but if there isn't, the court is to maximize the time that uh, each parent has with the children. Um, and so, you know, th these are both stunning successes. They're, they, they really sort of uh, are the foothold for uh, equal parenting. Um, and they've been passed in states that have overwhelmingly, the, the citizens have overwhelmingly supported them. Uh, in Kentucky, we have follow-up polling, so it's extremely popular. And uh, in Arkansas, NPO worked with uh, Arkansas advocates for parental equality to do polling there that showed that they supported it. And the legislation was passed by an overwhelming margin in, in both of those states. So this is all good news. Um, 
So, so we have the, um, the, the text here of the actual bill. I'm going to put it up on screen so, so everybody can see it. But uh, I, I want to roll through that just a little bit because, like you said, this is really um, you know, an even stronger bill than in Kentucky. And I think it's important that we all understand why, really why it's stronger and, and why it may be a model for other states. Yep. So here we go. We've got it up on the screen now. Um, it says, an uh, action concerning an original child custody determination in a divorce or paternity matter, there is a rebuttable presumption that joint custody is in the best interest of the child. And I don't think um, that's not too different from Kentucky, is it? That's not too different. The, uh, the, the reason that the Arkansas bill could be very short and just say there's a rebuttable presumption that joint custody is in the best interest of the child is that they, Arkansas, and this is unusual in the states, Arkansas already defined joint custody in a very strong way. Uh, it defines it as both parents have uh, legal custody of the children. That's decision-making responsibility for the children. And that they have, I think the language is something like substantially equal or nearly as nearly equal as possible parenting time. So in, in many states, joint custody is not defined or it's not defined very strongly. But in Arkansas, it was already defined in a very strong way. And so the bill could just say there's a presumption that uh, joint custody is in the best interest of children. So that part is not really substantially different from what happened in Kentucky. But if you read on, you'll see what's different. So yeah, we'll go on here. And, the, and part B is the presumption that joint custody is in the best interest of the child may be rebutted. One, if the court finds by clear and convincing evidence that joint custody is not in the best interest of the child. And two, if the parties have reached an agreement on all issues related to custody of the child. Right. So the key words here are clear and convincing evidence. There are three standards of evidence used by courts. Uh, the highest is one that everyone's familiar with from uh, law dramas. That's uh, guilt beyond a reasonable doubt. That's the highest standard. Uh, the lowest standard is preponderance of the evidence, which means sort of 50% plus anything, you know, or tip, balance is tipped that way. And clear and convincing evidence is between those two. Uh, and, and what it means is, you know, there's got to be a good, clear case. It's got to be obvious uh, to the court. So, um, and that's the respect in which the Arkansas law is stronger than the Kentucky law. Um, so that, that's, it's terrific that they got that through the legislature and got it signed by the governor. And it's, it's now the law in Arkansas. Well, that's fantastic. Yeah. So, I mean, some one, one party, you know, can't just make an accusation of the other party and they can't just take that as, as evidence. Absolutely. You can't just say, oh, we don't agree. Um, we don't get along. Um, the, 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 the party that wants to rebut this presumption has to provide clear and convincing evidence that this isn't in the best interest of children. So. Yeah, and I think that's a good point, too. I mean, this is really just uh, this law is not saying that the court has to all the time give uh, custody to, to both parents equally. It's just saying that that's where the starting point is. And if you want to move from that middle ground, then you have to show a reasonable amount of evidence to convince the court to do otherwise, right? And, and the other important thing is that there, there's deference to parental agreement. So if the parents agree that one parent should have custody, and sometimes that makes sense, one parent, sometimes they're living in different states or they're living far away in the same state or something like that. If the parents agree, court should be deferential to the parents unless the parents are doing something that's just outrageous. So, so that's something that will rebut the presumption. Um, and, and that's completely appropriate. I mean, parents are the primary uh, rearers of the children. The court is not. 
Yeah, and I, I think a lot of times people forget that you know, um, you know, if the parents agree, then then that's not what we were talking about in changing the insurance parenting laws, right? It's when you have a high conflict case where the parents don't agree. Oftentimes, there's false allegations. It's really messy. It's hard for the court to determine who's right, who you know, who's being truthful and who's not, and and who has motives that may not be in the best interest of the children. I mean, I think that's what really what these laws are for. Absolutely. Yep. And, and the law is actually, we have evidence uh, from Kentucky that the laws actually reduce the conflict. I mean, once you, once you change the game from being winner loser to just, okay, how are we going to continue to parent our children now that we're living apart? You, you, you remove one of the primary uh, sources of conflict between the parents. Yeah. And when you reduce conflict, I mean, there's lots of benefits for the state itself. I think you have much less conflict as far as domestic violence goes. Um, you have less services, social services being used up by the state. Uh, you know, and of course it's better for the children too. Yep. Yep. So what role did the, uh, did national parents organization have, uh, in the Arkansas bill? Cause I know NPO wasn't, uh, you know, wasn't the primary, uh, sponsor of the bill. There was, you know, the other group, like you mentioned, uh, what role did NPO play? So um, we don't have, MPO doesn't have a chapter. We have a chapter in 26 states now, but we don't have a chapter in Arkansas. But there's a very effective organization in Arkansas, Arkansas Advocates for Parental Equality, um, that is, their goals are very much uh, aligned with ours. They are, as NPO is, a child-focused, uh, research-based organization. And uh, we, we, we talked with them about uh, how we had been successful in Kentucky in getting the Equal Parenting Bill passed there. And we, we worked with them to do a poll of the citizens' attitudes towards shared parenting in Arkansas, which showed, as all of our polling has shown, overwhelming support for shared parenting in, uh, in Arkansas. And that's, that's extremely important in um, motivating legislators to support this legislation. Well, yeah, that's, that's fantastic. And we hope that more states, um, you know, follow the lead of Arkansas and, and take their, their text and, and implement that or some form of that. Um, but what else is going on around the country, Don? Before we move to other states, I just want to underscore that NPO is is uh, enthusiastic about working with other organizations that are child-focused and research-based and take a, a solutions approach to this and not just an sort of angry uh, attack at the system. Um, NPO is focused on changing the system, not just on complaining about uh, aspects of the system. So, you know, we, 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 we played a, a helper role for uh, Arkansas Advocates for Parental Equality, and we'd be happy to work with other organizations like that around the country. But you asked about other states. So there was a success in Texas. Um, that, well, but that, wait a minute. I, I thought the Texas bill was shot down. Yeah, well, the, the, the really good bill in Texas was shot down. That was uh, uh, House Bill 803. That would have been a strong, equal parenting bill. Um, it's one that NPO backed. We made a video. Uh, Anthony Brazil, our, our uh, chapter leader in uh, Texas, uh, made a terrific video that's gotten a lot of views in Texas, and I think that uh, influenced a lot of people. That bill did not make it through the legislation. But sort of flying under the radar, I think, under many people's radar, was Senate Bill 1936. And what does Senate Bill 1936 do? Well, Texas has a standard parenting time order. Now, of course, of course, courts can deviate when that's not appropriate in an individual case, but there's a that's the starting point. That's the what we assume it's going to be unless there's some reason to do something else. And that uh, previously, I, I should say actually even 
currently, that starting point gives the non-residential parent, they have some different terminology in Texas, it's conservator and so forth, but um, that gives the non-residential parent about 25% of the parenting time, which is fairly typical every other weekend, one evening a week and part of the summer and holidays and so forth. Um, they also had an extended parenting time schedule that a court could order, which gave the non-residential parent between 40 and 45% of the parenting time. And what uh, Senate Bill 1936 did was to make the extended parenting time one, the standard parenting time. Now, it's not quite law in Texas yet, but it is sitting on the governor's desk and it was passed overwhelmingly in the Senate and the House by 31 to zero in the Senate and by 144 to one with a few abstentions in the House. So um, it's very strongly supported by the legislature and I have every expectation that Governor Abbott will sign it. And you know, that's not an equal shared parenting bill. It doesn't say that both parents have, have uh, legal custody of the children, but it is an, an enormous jump forward in terms of parenting time, which is very important to children's well-being. Yeah, and I think it's important to point out here, you know, as we're trying to change the system, that, that change is slow and, and you really have to take the wins where you can get them, right? Uh, because I, I think this puts Texas in a good position to go back and argue, you know, why, why are we so close to the center here, but but we're not at the center. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Great news in Texas. And hopefully the governor signs it soon. And, uh, and you know, we'll be able to uh, look forward to see some more changes in Texas. I think they had, what was it, four different bills that were going through this year? Yeah, they had a number of bills. That's right. Yeah. They, they have a, an organization there that is... Uh, uh, composed of uh, family law attorneys that, uh, that that takes a stand against these bills. In fact, they actually put out a document to their members that the, the kill bills. Here are the bills we killed, and they take pride in having killed uh, shared parenting bills. Yeah, if we could only take the uh, the profit out of family law, then uh, a lot of these bills would, I think, go through a lot quicker. Follow the money. So <laughs> it's always about follow the money. Well, uh, speaking about following the money, uh, I hear there's some changes going on in Oklahoma. So Oklahoma passed some legislation, which is uh, a, a step uh, in the right direction. Um, it, it's it's mostly a small step, uh, but one thing it did that was good was it used Oklahoma used to have a policy statement that said that um, it encourages. Uh, shared parenting provided the parents agree to cooperate. And one way of reading that is um, we don't encourage shared parenting if the parents don't agree to, to cooperate by having a shared parenting plan. And as we know, it turns out to work best for children on average to have shared parenting, even when both parents don't agree to it initially. So they've actually changed that language and they just, the, the language now says they encourage shared parenting. It does say the court can take into account whether, whether there's evidence of their ability to cooperate on issues related to the minor children. Okay. But that's not whether they agree to shared parenting, it's can they operate under a shared parenting plan. And we know that there's a huge difference between do the parents agree to shared parenting and are they able to cooperate under a shared parenting plan. So that's a, that's a step in the right direction there. Um, the, uh, the law does apply a presumption about temporary orders to permanent orders, uh, um, saying that the presumption that it, it, it applies is an extremely weak presumption. It says, if requested by either parent, the court may provide substantially equal access to the children. 
Now that's permissive language. That's not uh, required language. That's just not shall. Um, so it's it's very weak. But they they did extend it to the to the permanent orders to to explicitly make it the case um, that uh, that the court can do that. But um, if this bill is going to have an effect, it's probably by its requirement that the court uh, include findings of fact and conclusions of law for any decision it makes that both parents haven't agreed to. So if the parents agree on a custody arrangement, the court can just say, we order that. But if the parents disagree, the court has to give findings of fact and conclusions of law. And that's valuable for a number of reasons, because as you know, Chris, often there aren't good reasons to oppose uh, shared parenting. Um, so they'll have a hard time doing that. And also it provides a basis for an appeal. Now, appeals in family law court are difficult um, because uh, appellate courts give a great deal of discretion. But if what, the appell if what the trial court says in its findings of fact and conclusions of law for giving sole custody is not reasonable, it gives the, the, the parent who's been denied custody a basis for an appeal. So I, I think that's a, that's a step in the right direction. Uh, not a huge step, but still a step. Yeah, I think it's, I, I mean, first of all, it boggles my mind that in family law with, with things that are as important as our children, that uh, finding a fact is not required in all cases uh, in family law. I mean, it, it's it's just a quite frankly, a failure of our family law system to regulate itself. Right. It, absolutely. And, and what would be ideal is for a, a, a law that creates a presumption of equal parenting, and then the court has to uh, provide findings of fact and conclusions of law whenever it diverges from that, unless it's because both of the parents have agreed to some other arrangement, because that would really be, it, it would say to a court, look, we're presuming that equal parenting is in children's best interest. You don't have to provide evidence there, right? But if you if you award sole custody over the objections of one of the parents, we want an explanation. Yeah, and I mean, if, if somebody tries to go back and change that decision later on, whether it's through an appeal or through a new case, I mean, you would then have a basis of, of understanding to start from, right? Absolutely. And sometimes the reason for which a court doesn't award uh, equal shared parenting might be something that, that a parent can correct. So if the parents live far apart and the court says, you know, we can't award shared parenting in this case because of the distance, maybe that parent who, uh, who was denied custody will move closer and, and then they should be able to go back to court and say that that barrier has been removed. Now let's have equal custody. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and one of the things that drives me absolutely bonkers is, uh, you know, we're talking about these family law cases is that people assume that things are going to always stay the way they are when this decision is made. I mean, we've had a judge here in Kansas that spoke against the Kansas bill. And, and one of his reasonings was, well, you know, the, the father didn't have furniture at his apartment. Well, you know, dad probably had furniture at his house before he got kicked out of his house and mom kept all the furniture. And I'm sure at some point he's going to go buy some furniture, but that's not a reason to keep his children from him. Um, and, I, and I have, I mean, I think on a constitutional level that that can be argued, but uh, none of these things are static. And so, uh, you know, parents should be given the opportunity to correct things, uh, you know, and, and maybe even there should be a grace period of, well, you know, let's reevaluate this in six months or something like that. 
Absolutely. And, you know, uh, it, it's not just courts that make this mistake, but parents. You see parents of kids who are like, you know, six years old arguing viciously over who has the kids on Halloween for trick-or-treating. And they are not thinking that, you know, in a couple of years, that's not going to even be relevant. The kids are not going to be, be doing that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, it really, it would be good if custody arrangements were set in a way that they changed over time or could be reevaluated uh, reasonably. And maybe not going back to court all the time, maybe going to a media and the parents uh, work on uh, arranging as the kids grow older, as circumstances change. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting that, you know, in our laws, the, the federal law requires the states to reevaluate child support uh, formulas, is it, what, every three or four years, right? But, but there's no same evaluation for parents. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, so, and then uh, I guess uh, the last uh, state really to talk about with that had major movement, uh, you had some notes here about Tennessee. Yeah, but it's not major movement. Um, it started off as a major movement. It started off as an equal shared parenting bill, and it got at this it got it got the guts ripped out of it. Um, this is a classic nothing burger. I don't know if you remember the old where's the beef commercial from some time ago. But you look at this and you say, you know, sort of pretending to be a shared parenting bill. But you say, where's the beef? I mean, there, there, it really isn't a shared parenting bill. Ultimately, what the law does is to re require that the court provide findings of fact and conclusion of law so, to support a custody uh, decision unless the parents both agree to it. But there's there's no other change uh, to it. It, it. it originally included a policy statement um, and an equal parenting provision. And even the policy statement was too strong. Just something saying, you know, we support shared parenting, you know, um, that was too uh, strong for Tennessee legislators. So, uh, and, you know, we've talked about this before, and, and, you know, today, uh, Chris, a, a bill that just says that a court should presume shared parenting is best when both parents agree to it is not a shared parenting bill. It's a deference to parental agreement bill and courts should defer to, to uh, parent parental agreements. So um, it, this turned out to be a real nothing burger. It started off uh, well, but it, it, it really got, uh, it, it got its limbs chopped off. <laughs> as it went through. So do you know, is, are there any plans to go back next year and either amend it or, or put some better language in it? So I think in every state where a, uh, uh, a bill has failed. And, and, you know, we haven't talked about those yet, but in addition to the strong bill in Texas failing, uh, bills failed in, in uh, Florida and Missouri, Montana, South Dakota, Virginia, and, and I think some other places. And I think in every state, um, the advocates, often NPO chapters, are planning to come back at the next uh, uh, legislative session to do this. Um, you know, we have a chapter in Tennessee, and, and I'm, I'm sure they're working on this. And, you know, one of the things uh, that it's important to recognize is that, you know, one would not have thought that there would be a stunning success in Kentucky before it happened. I mean, Kentucky had a D minus in the 2014 shared parenting, NPO shared parenting report card, a D minus, and they went to a straight A. In Arkansas, I can't remember what its grade was, but it was low. And, uh, you know, they, they, uh, they passed a bill overwhelmingly that is a very strong equal shared parenting bill. And so one of the things I remind uh, shared parenting advocates is, you know, it doesn't happen until it does. And then it happens with great success. So it, you just have to, you know, keep working at it. Um, we have public support. We have the research that shows this is best for kids. Um, we often have legislators who are supportive of it. And then we're often opposed by um the Bar Association and Judges Associations, and we just have to keep working at that. 
Yeah, you know, the thing that always stuns me from, uh, you know, if I look over the country, the, there's a number of states that are so-called progressive, you know, particularly on the East and West Coast. And, and those aren't the states that are having movement uh, in making the laws equal for both men and women. Yep, I, I think that's right. It's, it's, it's a pretty interesting phenomenon, although I would underscore the fact that this is something that's happening at the legislative level, because we've done polling in, uh, for example, California, which one would think is rather radically different from Arkansas or Kentucky. And uh, the, the polling in California shows overwhelming public support for legal presumptions of shared parenting. So th this is um, th this uh, this failure is something that's happening at the legislative level. It's not that the uh, that, that the citizens of California who are demographically different from the citizens in Arkansas um, don't equally support shared parenting. They do. So. Well, yeah, no, no big surprise there that the legislators aren't doing what the, the people that elected them to do. Right. I mean, that that's common across the country, I think. Right. Yep. So speaking of failures, uh, we did have a number of bills that kind of made it almost the finish line, but didn't quite make it across. And, and I think, uh, I mean, in my experience, at least here in Kansas is that, you know, getting a bill, you know, passed into the governor's desk is a rather long and complex process. Um, there's a number of kind of roadblocks that are intentionally put into place. So it's not that easy to, to pass a bill. Um, and, and, you know, and you have basically two sides of a house and they have to really do the same thing and come and meet in the middle, which, uh, getting a number of people to agree on something is, is rather difficult. So it's not surprising to see that that bills will fail. And, and I don't think that that means that they're bad bills or that, that people don't support them. Right. Or that they're doomed to failure in the future. So, um, it's, it's sometimes, there are many reasons that a bill fails, and it's, it's really important what you said, Chris. People need to understand most bills don't make it. Most bills don't make it very far at all. So um, in Missouri, for example, it made it right up to the, uh, to the finish line, but not over the finish line. It was a heartbreaking thing. Linda Reutzel, the, the uh, chapter leader in, in, um, in Missouri and also a member of our national board, has worked for, for years on this. And um, it failed because I mean, people, people there said it failed because there was one Democratic lawmaker that was standing in, in its way. But the Missouri legislature is overwhelmingly Republican. And if they wanted to pass it, they could have passed it. So there's something uh, there's something happening there. And we assume that the Bar Association is working behind the scenes to kill these things. Um, but yeah, we've had a number of bills that have gotten uh, very close. Um, and um, I, I think that just means you have a run at it again. And I think these things are likely to go through. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the important point here is that, you know, we're not giving up and we'll just keep coming back until we get this thing done. Right. Yep. Yep. So, yeah, some of the uh, states here that I've got notes on are, uh, of course, talked about Missouri. There's also Florida, Montana, South Dakota and Virginia. Yeah. So um, I don't have details on each of those right now. I do know that Florida has been frustrating because they, they got a bill through. Um, and the governor years, several years ago, and the governor refused to sign it and it had to do with alimony provisions in it and not with the equal parenting thing. And um, they've had successes in one uh, chamber of the legislature and not the other, and then in the other chamber, but not the first. So uh, that, that's been frustrating for those in Florida. Uh, but I, I think all of these uh, bills um, have been, uh, they've, they've they progress through and they've sometimes been blocked by one chair of a, uh, a legislative committee that wasn't in favor of it. Um, 
So you just need to put more pressure on them. Sometimes if you have uh, support from the leadership in the legislature, they can determine which committee it goes to. Because sometimes it's not, you know, there are, there are choices that can be made. Um, so there, sometimes there will be a child welfare committee and go there instead of going to the judicial committee. And the child welfare committee has fewer lawyers on it. Um, and so you, you might be able to get things moving there. Anyway, there, it, it's, it's really frustrating. And I, I know and those of us who've been involved with this are, are frustrated by this, but, but we're seeing successes and, and being, being close to success means you're more likely to be successful next time. Yeah, and I mean, we certainly have a lot of other successes to talk about. I think that wraps up sort of our legislative update, but we do have a number of media updates. We've been getting a lot of traction in mainstream media uh, about shared parenting. Why don't you catch us up on that? Absolutely. And, you know, uh, one of the things that's important to, to remind ourselves of is that th though we focus a lot on legislation, what we really care about is changing the way children are raised when the parents are living apart. Now, legislation has a huge role in that, and I don't want to, I, I don't want to in any way minimize that, but um, we also want to change people's expectations about how they're going to raise their kids when they are separated. Um, what we really want to do is to reform the norms of separated parenting. Legislation is a really important part of that, but another part of that is just getting people to see that this is what's best for kids, and we've had in the last few months here, we've had articles in the mainstream media like we've never had before. So uh, time.com uh, did a uh, long story on this and, and featured Matt Hale uh, from Kentucky, who's now on our national board, uh, talking about the value of shared parenting. And in Forbes.com, uh, there was an article written by Ginger Gentile, former uh, uh, executive director of NPO uh, that talked about NPO and, and the value of shared parenting and so forth. We've had op-eds published in the Oklahoman, in uh, Parkersburg News and Sentinel, and um, in we had a, a very nice op-ed uh, published uh, in Virginia in 12 papers because a syndicate that uh, runs 12 different papers in Virginia uh, picked up the uh, op-ed and published it there. We also had a, a very nice, very positive story in Rhode Island by a television station there about uh, the Rhode Island NPO uh, award of uh, um, champions for children, I think they called it, or partners in parenting. I'm forgetting the name of the award, but they gave it to, uh, to parents who had initially not agreed to shared parenting, but then as they operated under a shared parenting plan came to, uh, to appreciate the value of it for their children. And there was a really positive story uh, on uh, the television station and on their, their website about this that, that featured uh, NPO in, in, a, in a really good way. So these things are important because these are the things that will change people's expectations when they go into court. If parents go into court saying, look, we know that shared parenting is best for our kids. Our disagreements are between us. We, we both love our kids. Um, the courts are going to defer to that. And, and allow them to do shared parenting. So that's another really important part. Yeah, I mean, I think it's important to note, I mean, what I've hear, heard locally is that more and more parents are, are aware of shared parenting and, and therefore, uh, because they even know it's an option, because I think a lot of people didn't even know it was an option, um, you know, until we've started to make a lot of noise about it. Um, and now that this, you know, 
this thing's getting out in the mainstream media, more and more people know about it and, and think, hey, that's an option. And so I think more people are agreeing to it. At least that's what I'm hearing locally, uh, which is a fantastic thing. Um, but that doesn't negate the fact that we still need to fight for those that are, I think, most vulnerable in this situation where, you know, you have one parent who is really just trying to destroy the other parent, uh, you know, for for all the winnings, let's say. So really, we need to get to a point where, where courts are very skeptical of a parent who comes in and says, I want shared parenting, where courts say that, I'm sorry, I want sole custody. Um, we, want, we want courts to say, why? Um, we know that generally uh, shared parenting is best for kids. You better give us a good reason why it's not going to work in this case. And it's not just because, you know, I don't like my ex. Why, you know, we don't get along. Um, that's, not a, that's not a good reason to, uh, to, to not do shared parenting. Yeah, and I, I mean, I hope we even get to the point where the judges start holding lawyers responsible for for filing these sole custody orders, or, or you know, or motions without having you know clear and convincing evidence. I mean, until the legal system starts holding itself accountable, I think you're going to have um, you know this is exactly what we have now in the legal system, which is quite frankly most of it's a joke. Yeah, and and there's a lot of game playing and so forth, and you know, I mean, look. Uh, I really think that uh, it, it, if you look at it, you know, from a distance, it's really bizarre that we handle marital breakup when there are children using an adversarial system that is that requires you know both sides to give zealous representation of their side and all of that. I mean, it's a it, it, it's a horrible uh, system, um, and what, what we really need is just a. a, a we need parents who are separating to say, okay, we're not going to live together anymore, and here's how we're going to continue to co-parent our children, um, but not, uh, not not to vilify the other parent in order to gain an advantage in court. Yeah, I mean, I, th I think uh, in my experience, at least, you know, the world's mostly incentive-based, right? And and right now there are big incentives for you to fight and, and keep your children away from the other parents. So um, un until we take those incentives away, then then uh, we're not going to change, you know, much of the system on the legal side, at least at least how family law works. And, th and that's why we're trying to get all these laws passed, I think. I agree. Yeah. So we have had uh, some other visibility in the legislature, too. We had a number of uh, proclamations made by different states. I know you want to cover that. Uh, the first one I've got up here is uh, Arizona. And uh, so we have uh, Arizona and then uh, Kentucky also had one again, uh, which Kentucky, I think is great because yeah. even doing it every year and they were the first state to do it. Um, they were the first state to pass the equal parenting thing, and, they, and they've done um, shared parenting uh, day on April 26th, the day in which the Kentucky uh, bill for uh, permanent equal custody was passed, and uh, when it was signed into law, I mean, and, uh, and then Missouri joined Kentucky a few years later, uh, and then uh, just this year, uh, through NPO's efforts, Arizona, Maryland, and Massachusetts uh, have all declared April 26th to be Shared Parenting Day. So this is uh, terrific news. It, it, it raises the visibility of shared parenting. Um, and we're, we're really happy to see this. Yeah, so hopefully more states can do that. And, uh, you know, if you want help on how to get your state to proclaim April 26th as Shared Parenting Day, uh, contact National Parents Organization and we'll let you know uh, how other states have done it. You'll have to do a little legwork on your own, but we can certainly point you in the right direction. 
And we we'll uh, have to do a lot of legwork because we have we have a database of every state and how you uh, get proclamations issued, and we have a template for uh, people to use. So yes, if you're uh, you know whether you're whether you're an NPO member or not. Um, if you uh, want to get your state to uh, declare April 26th to be Shared Parenting Day, uh, contact us at parents at sharedparenting.org, and, and we can help you with that. Well, and so what's coming up, Don? Uh, what's on the radar, and, uh, and where do you hope things go in the next uh, you know, six months, 12 months, uh, maybe two years? Yeah, so there are a number of things coming up. One of the things that I'm really excited about, and, and, and this, this may be the first time I talked about it publicly, but we are doing a uh, report card similar to the shared parenting report card um, on child support. Now, the child support system is extremely um, complex, and there we decided that we couldn't grade states overall on their child support laws because there were just too many different factors going in different directions. But as an organization primarily focused on shared parenting, we decided that we could grade the states on the degree to which their child support laws promote or inhibit shared parenting. And let me just give you a quick example. There are eight or nine states in which there is no parenting time adjustment built in to the child support guidelines. And what that means is a parent who, a non-residential parent who's going to be paying child support can see uh, that parent's children one overnight a year or half of the overnights a year. And presumptively, they'll pay the same amount of child support. Now, courts can deviate, but it's, it's the responsibility of that parent to come in and say, well, I've got my kids, you know, 40% of the time. And I shouldn't be paying this much because I need money in my household. So there are states that have laws that are very strong barriers to shared parenting. You talked about taking the financial incentive out of this. Well, if there's a huge, huge financial incentive to being declared the custodial parent, um, regardless of how many overnights the other parent has with the kids, then you're going to have fights over who's going to be the custodial parent. Um, there are other states where there are huge cliff effects. So if you have your kids 120 nights, you'll pay a whole, much in child, a whole bunch in child support. If you have them 121 nights, you'll pay a whole bunch less. Well, that means the parents will fight over whether it's 120 overnights or 121 overnights. Their lawyers will tell them to fight over that. So those are things that are barriers to doing shared parenting. And we want to grade the states on the degree to which their child support laws are promoting shared parenting. We think this will be a very effective tool to work on uh, child support legislation in, in the states. We also think, as I mentioned earlier, that the states that failed to get child support uh, legislation passed are going to come back um, and introduce those bills again uh, with, with more steam behind them um, because uh, we're doing additional polling in other states and we we're getting uh, you know, more research that addresses the question of whether shared parenting is best when parents uh, disagree or when parents uh, um, uh, urban children are, are, you know, very small. Um, you know, we've got increasing research to support what we're saying, and we've got increasing research about public support for it. So we think there will be stronger um, uh, efforts in, in these other states. And of course, Kentucky and Arkansas provide wonderful um, models for other states. And Arizona has a strong um, um, shared parenting law, not, not quite as explicitly strong as, uh, as uh, Kentucky and Arkansas, but still a strong law. So we have models that's working in those states, and that will uh, help 
uh, other legislators decide they ought to support him. And one of the things I want to remind people is though, though progress can often be slow um, and it can be really frustrating, um, the, the winds of change are variable, but they're blowing in only one direction. Um, they're blowing towards shared parenting. And uh, uh, the fact that we're getting more attention in the mainstream media, the fact that we're getting these uh, shared parenting proclamations and we're, we're, we're getting legislation moved through the legislative process uh, more effectively, those are all signs that, uh, that, that uh, the, the balance is tipping. Um, we're gonna have shared parenting in all the states eventually. And I think it's gonna start coming more and more quickly. Well, yeah, I think that's great to remember. And, and if you want to help out, you know, how can people get a hold of National Parents Organization and, and uh, help out in their state? It's, it's really easy. Our website is www.sharedparenting.org. Um, you can email to uh, parents at sharedparenting.org. But on our website, there's a, you know, get involved. Um, and there are a variety of things that you can do. One of the things that, that is also new for NPO is we're starting to uh, produce merchandise. I mean, cup, uh, cups and T-shirts and, and so forth. Um, this isn't a, a money-making thing for us, really. We don't, don't get a great deal of, uh, of financial uh, um, remuneration out of this. But, uh, but it'd be great to have people have mugs that say, I support shared parenting, or a T-shirt that says, I support shared parenting. You know, if we're reforming the norms, part of that is just, you know, person-to-person -person, uh, um, uh, communication about the value of shared parenting. Yeah, certainly showing your local support. I mean, I think it's great to even have something like a T-shirt or a mug because, you know, there are a lot of people I don't think that really understand the term and they may stop and ask you about it. And, and that would be a great opportunity for you just to educate one more person. You never know um, who the person is you're talking to, you know, may, may be instrumental in helping to uh, change people's minds yep. and get the laws passed. Yep, right. Well, Don, thanks so much for the update. We'll have to do this again uh, sometime soon. And uh, it's, it's been a really informative session here. We, we've learned a lot about, uh, you know, sort of the legislative session so far this year. And um, I think a lot of a lot of sessions are, are out for the year. I think a lot of them run uh, kind of early in the year and then they go dormant until next January. So uh, but we'll hope we'll hope for uh, another update maybe later on in the year to see what things are going. Um, the, the things in the mainstream media, I think, are fantastic. I, I hope we see more of that. And, uh, and, and certainly all the proclamations are, are great to see, too. So uh, thanks so much for joining us. And uh, until next time, we'll, uh, we'll catch you later. Thank you, Chris. Now, that was recorded on video. So if you want to go ahead and watch the video, you can find the link in the show notes. It's on YouTube. And if you have any questions, you can contact National Parents Organization at sharedparenting.org. Don't forget to like National Parents Organization on social media. Just go ahead and do a Facebook search for National Parents Organization and smash the like button. You're also going to find several Facebook pages for different state chapters, so go ahead and like those pages as well. And don't forget you can also follow National Parents Organization on Twitter or LinkedIn. The links to those social media sites are on the sharedparenting.org website. If you're passionate about shared parenting, the best thing you can do is get involved. And the best way to do that is by contacting your state chapter. If you head over to the sharedparenting.org website, you can find the links to your state chapter and then contact them directly to take action and volunteer. We could also use your help with donations. National Parents Organization is a nationally recognized nonprofit registered in Massachusetts. To donate, visit sharedparenting.org 
and click the Take Action and then Donate. We'd love to hear what you think about the show. Tell us what you think on social media or by going to the sharedparenting.org website and sending us a message. Fill out that contact form and let us know what you think. We'd love to hear about what you think about the show or what you want to hear on the show, those sorts of things. So go ahead and, and send us a message. Until the next episode, I'm your host, Chris Batchelor. Thanks for listening, and together we can help bring shared parenting nationwide. <laughs>